Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Good evening, everyone. This is Ham Talk Live, episode number seven. Amateur radio on the International Space Station. Recorded live on Thursday, March 31st, 2016. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight on the show, Rosalie White, K1STO, will be here to talk about the amateur radio on the International Space Station program, supported by ARRL. AMSAT, and NASA, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week on the big show, the guys from the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting and the Westchester Amateur Radio Association were here. They were talking about the museum and a special tour that's available at the museum for hams during Dayton Hamvention Weekend. So if you missed that show or any future show, you can listen to the replay That's available on HamTalkLive.com, our website, or on Spreaker, TuneIn, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or YouTube. So wherever works best for you, you can find us there and listen in. Tonight we want to take your calls as always, so in just a few minutes be ready to call in. You can call us on Skype at the username HamTalkLive, or you can call by telephone. The number is 812 net ham one eight one two net ham one that's eight one two six three eight four two six one but first we would like to take a moment to welcome a new sponsor to the show uh we can't thank our sponsors enough uh we're able to offset some of the cost of bringing you the show each week because of their support and this week we have a brand new sponsor that's going to revolutionize the antenna industry. It's Spray Away. Hello, Willie Mays here for Spray Away, the SWR reducer in a can. Are you annoyed by that pesky SWR that keeps getting in your antennas? Well, you can get rid of that in one easy step. Just spray some Spray Away on your antenna and the SWR disappears like magic. Use it on all your antennas. Dipoles, verticals, and even Yagi's are no match for Spray Away. Want that tough SWR to go away? Spray it away. But wait, there's more. Order in the next 30 seconds and you can get two cans of Spray Away for the price of one. And we're not stopping there. Order now and we'll throw in a can of Zap Free. Protect your antenna from lightning. Coat it in Zap Free and your worries are gone. Spray it and forget it. Lightning strikes will never bother your rig again. Here's how to order. 
To order Spray Away for just $19.99, call 985-655-2500. That's 985-655-2500. Call now, 985-655-2500. Yeah, and just keep in mind, tomorrow's April Fool's Day, by the way. Well, my guest this evening is Rosalie White, K1STO, from right here in Bloomington, Indiana. Rosalie grew up in central Indiana, and her ham radio adventures took her to ARRL headquarters in Newington, Connecticut. Rosalie was on staff full-time at ARRL for 24 years, where she was the manager of field and educational services, among other duties. And in Bloomington, she worked with book writers at Author Solutions, and now manages her family's farm, mostly maintenance and finances, but still finds time to facilitate the ARIS program mostly from home as the ARIS International Secretary and ARRL's delegate to the program. She was the 1995 winner of the Dayton Hamvention Amateur of the Year Award. She's worked on many ARRL projects, including the ARRL license manuals and public service newsletters. And she flew her own plane for many years, and I had the opportunity to present ham radio with her to a convention full of science teachers here in Indiana many years ago. So, Rosalie, welcome to Ham Talk Live. Well, thank you, Neil. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about the whole beginning of the the ARIS program. How did this idea start out, and how did this get started? Well, people may be familiar with the back-in-the-space-shuttle days, SARX, um, and that was the predecessor, of course. And in the last few years of SARX, of course, we knew that the International Space Station was being built. And um, some of your listeners may recall Roy Neal, who was an NBC science desk reporter. And he was K6 Delta United Echo. And um, he was on our team. And he said, we need to get with NASA to make sure that we're on the ISS. And so um, he spoke with people he knew from his science career, uh, reporting science things such as space launches, and um, stirred up interest. And, of course, NASA always loved SARX as uh, what it did for how little effort it had to put into it because it was all volunteer. And um, NASA came to ARRL and AMSAT and said, we need one organization that will coordinate every amateur radio activity on the ISS. And so get that going. So as early as 1996, which is our 20 20 years, is coming up this November, um, I... Uh, contacted the IARU societies and asked if there would be representatives for an ISS team for amateur radio. And AMSAT Frank Bauer, uh, KA3HDO, Hotel Delta Oscar, did the same thing for um, AMSAT's international societies. And we had our first meeting and voila, Eris was born. Well, that's great, and I remember uh, a lot of the old uh, SARX missions and uh, able to, to listen to the space shuttle uh, fly over, and it was always uh, an interesting um, thing growing up, and uh, so glad you guys were able to uh, 
to make all that work. Now, what's the process of getting a contact with Eris, and, and what's the wait time? Okay. Well, um, there is a proposal process. In the past, we had an application, and you basically wrote down if you were a um, ham radio operator working with a teacher or if you were a teacher, um, you wrote down what kinds of educational activities you wanted to do. And then your school may or may not have been picked. If it was um, a lot of good educational activities, it would definitely be picked. Uh, Now it's a proposal process and there are windows open twice a year. And they're open for approximately two months. And the proposal is a, a very carefully spelled out listing of things that need to be written down. And you submit the proposal. And it's kind of a st- two-step process where if your educational proposal is good and if you have a chance to get a lot of kids involved and you have publicity that you can plan and um, you can get student release forms for using photos and you have a plan to get uh, comments from teachers and students afterwards, then you pass the first step, which is the first half of that proposal. And then once you're selected, you choose your equipment plan If you're a school that does not know a ham radio um, group in your area and ARL and AMSAT can't find someone because they do have to be experienced with satellite communications or be a very quick learner of how to do that and get access to equipment, then it would be a, a telebridge contact, which is very much like a phone patch where Let's say one of our ARIS telebridge stations in Australia um, has a good pass over Australia that can be relayed to a school that does not have an amateur radio setup. And so um, you asked about the time frame. We have a window that closes on April 15. It opened on February 15, closes on April 15. And that's for contacts that will be scheduled January 1 through June 30th of 2017. So um, basically, you have a year to get everything in place. And um, it might not take that long, but at least you don't have to run around like a Tasmanian devil getting everything ready because you have time to get everything planned. And there is a lot to get ready because, you know, you don't get a second shot at this. And you're only going to get a few minutes. And so you have a uh, backup station that has to be in place and and some things that try to keep Murphy away. That's right. That's right. And um, like you say, you get a 10-minute window. And um, I saw a schedule about a month ago of the astronauts day and it is jam packed and it's only going to get worse as the commercial crews are on the ISS um, because of course with the commercial crew they have certain research that they are being paid to do so every little box on this huge spreadsheet is filled and they are worked hard 
So, you know, they they get 10 minutes to uh, go take a break and, and, and go do this. We, we can't mess it up. So. That's right. <laughs> so we got to make it count. So, so it is a, a fairly lengthy process, but uh, it, it's been uh, really rewarding. And, and um, the uh, Telebridge uh, process is there, too. So you can um, squeeze those in from time to time if uh, the station, <clears throat> the Earth station uh, idea is not there. So uh, recently you just had a big uh, celebration of the 1,000th QSO. Tell us about QSO number 1,000. It was pretty exciting for us to reach that goal in 16 years' time because we were actually the first um, payload on board the ISS, uh, the first commander set up the station with just within hours of opening the airlock and getting inside and getting comfortable. And so we were really the first official operational payload, and that was in 2000, December. And so we were very excited to hit the 1,000th QSO. And, of course, it's a worldwide team. And, you know, with SARX, of course, it was just the U.S., and it was a little easier to coordinate. But now with an international team, it's, um, you know, different. And our 1,000th contact was one that was not only exciting for us, but it was one that was so well done by the group that applied. And their proposal was the North Dakota Space Grant Consortium, which is at University of North Dakota. And those uh, college students and um, their friends and volunteers with other classes, not just the science and the aerospace classes, but throughout the college, visited five different elementary schools in all around um, Grand Forks, North Dakota. And um, they visited those schools five or six times to teach the kids about um, aerospace, about living in space, about wireless, about amateur radio. And they did all kinds of really cool things like, um, of course, launching rockets, but crafting and testing parachutes similar to what is on NASA's Orion capsule. And they designed and tested neutral buoyant objects and just all kinds of neat things. And they had the day of the contact, they had stations set up all around the gymnasium for the kids to get really involved in hands-on activities just before the contact. And um, so they had students from actually kindergarten through college asking questions. It was just really exciting to see so much education going on. Yeah, it sounds like it was a, a great uh, group. And I know I've talked to the uh, K0UND station several times, and, and they've uh, created quite a presence on the air with uh, school club roundup, especially is, is, is my interaction with them. And so, um, I was glad to hear that they were able to be involved in, in QSO number 1000. That's, uh, quite a landmark and, and we've got more to go. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, we're going to play a little clip here, um, from Tim Peak KG5 BVI and, if you want to watch the, the video of this, this is available on YouTube, and this was done uh, specifically for the anniversary for the 1,000th QSO. Is that 
correct? That's that's correct. And of course, he's an English astronaut. He was uh, actually the first ISS United Kingdom astronaut, and he's done a lot of school contacts for us recently. And he's just thrilled to be doing it. He loves it. So, so this is available out there uh, on YouTube. But we're going to play the audio from it. Uh, it's about three minutes, and it really gives you kind of a synopsis of of the whole. Um, Eris program. Hi everyone, I'm Tim Peake and welcome aboard the International Space Station where we're orbiting Earth 16 times every day. One of the most rewarding activities that some astronauts undertake on orbit is to talk to schools using the space station's ham radio. Now these are events that are planned by ARIS, which is a worldwide group of amateur radio volunteers who are dedicated to introducing young people and students to science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Now this is the equipment here in the Columbus Laboratory, which consists of a handheld radio, a headset, and we also have a ham video unit. Now as the International Space Station orbits above your location, a radio link is established between the ISS and your school. Now, because we're traveling at nearly 18,000 miles per hour, which is an incredible 25 times the speed of sound, we usually get about nine or 10 minutes of good radio contact before losing the signal. So about five minutes before the scheduled start time of the contact, I come into the Columbus Laboratory and configure the radio so that I'm on the correct channel. And sometimes I'll set up the ham video too. Just before the predicted time, I begin to start calling the school using the standard amateur radio calling techniques. For example, if the call sign of your school was GB4FUN, I would say Golf Bravo 4, Foxtrot Uniform November. This is Golf Bravo 1, Sierra Sierra, listening and standing by. Now at your school, the radio operator will be listening for my call, but may also transmit and try to call me as well you'll probably have a much more powerful transmitter on the ground than we have up here on board. So I'm likely to hear you before you hear me. Then, once we can hear each other, then comes the best bit, which is actually talking to the students and answering the questions. Once I've answered all the questions, we use the remaining time to say goodbye to each other and end the connection. I'll then spend a few minutes configuring the radio back into a rebroadcast mode and then I'll go back to my day job, which is, of course, doing science on board the International Space Station. ARIS is a brilliant opportunity for astronauts to talk to school pupils. It's really rewarding to hear how excited the students are when they're talking to somebody up here in space. And it's a true privilege to be able to inspire our next generation of scientists and engineers through amateur radio. Well, it's time to take our first break, but we'll be back with more with Rosalie White, K1STO, right after this word from one of our real sponsors, Tower Electronics, right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978, bringing connectors, antennas, cables, and other parts to the world. Scott and Jill travel the country bringing their store to you at HamFest, but you can also order online at pl-259.com or by calling 
1-800-242-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL259 and end connectors, audio cables, mobile antennas, and hamsticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even in use on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics is a dealer for MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro Technologies. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rap. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. We'd like to thank Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show. Don't miss Scott and Jill at the Mobile Alabama Ham Fest on April 9th, or you can visit their website at pl-259.com. Rosalie White, K1STO, is our guest this evening from the Amateur Radio on the International Space Station, or ARIS program, sponsored by ARRL, AMSAT, and NASA. And we're going to start taking calls now, so feel free to give us a call. The best way to do that is with Skype. Give us an audio call on Skype at Ham Talk Live. Or if Skype isn't your thing, you can call us on the telephone. That's 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-NET-HAM-1. And uh, you can ask your questions of Rosalie White, K1STO. So while we're um, back with Rosalie here, uh, tell us about... um, your upcoming fundraising and a little bit about uh, the needs for some equipment on the space station. Okay. Well, of course, um, we have to keep NASA and ARL and AMSAT happy because they help us with things we need. But also, um, the radio originally was prepared and flight certified back before 2000 because, of course, it was launched to the space station before the space station was habit was inhabited, and it's old and um, it's in a rough environment. It floats around and gets, you know, the headset may get bumped into the radio is velcroed on the side. I mean, everything up there is velcroed to the sides and the ceiling and the floor. <laughs> And um, so it's kind of a rough environment, and um, the the most expensive thing about it, well, there's two things that are expensive about it. One is that you have to have seven of anything that you send to the space station, because if the one that's there, something happens to it, then you have to have a backup. But there's also one that goes through the shake-and-bake tests for um, whether it's going to survive a launch, and... Um, it also has to be tested for interference to the communication systems that are up there. And it has to be tested for outgassing. You don't want any noxious fumes if it overheats or something like that. So the cost of testing um, and getting it space flight certified is incredibly expensive. And oh, back to the seven units. Um, there has to be one at Johnson Space Center so that if something goes wrong, it can be do the our our ham radio operator who works there. Although there's quite a few at work there, but the one who works with the Airs program specifically um, would have to do troubleshooting on the ground. So he has to have a 
um, flight-like unit, and then there has to be another unit that's um, in Russia because Russia also has a mission control and so on and so forth. So it's very expensive to have any kind of equipment up there. And not only is it the radio, but the power supply and the headsets and the cabling and the connectors. And it's just not your regular PL-259. It's space-certified cabling and connectors. So um, it is very expensive, and we do appreciate some sponsors. The Yasme Foundation has given us some money. Um, um, The D710 radios are going to be um, given to us for use, uh, we hope. And um, so we have a challenge coin, which anyone, of course, who wants to give money to Eris, we would love it. But if you give $100 or more, you get a special challenge coin. It's a very beautiful coin. And if you'll be going to Dayton, you'll be able to see them there. And we do have pictures of those up on uh, our Facebook page, and uh, we tweeted those out um, earlier in the week, so you can see a picture of the uh, challenge coin if you're interested in that. That's great. So, so if you just go to your local ham store and, and, and they've got free shipping, that doesn't help. The, the free shipping doesn't go to the <laughs> International Space Station. Uh, I wish, you know, those drones that are going to be delivering things, that would be really cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's free (laughs) shipping. They didn't say that they didn't deliver to the International Space Station. That's right, that's right. You should should take them up on that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So if you'd like to, uh, so if you would like to donate uh, to Eris um, and specifically uh, pick up one of these challenge coins, what method is, is best for people to do that? Well, I guess I should have said that, huh? Um, Both the ARL and AMSAT site have a place that you can, um, for instance, at AMSAT, there's a donate button, and and ARL's ARIS website has a donate button. And thanks to AMSAT, um, they do the processing. It goes um, directly through AMSAT, just as if you made a purchase of any other kind from AMSAT. And the money is specifically channeled to Eris. There's a button that says Eris. And so that's how you know it's going to come um, to the right spot. And I'm actually the one who will take care of making sure you get that coin. So once you donate by that button, it will. I will be notified and it will be sent to you. Well, that's excellent. So if, if you're able to uh, donate to that, we... Uh... Definitely encourage you to do that, and um, again, you can see the picture of, of the coin up on uh, Facebook or Twitter, or uh, see that over at Dayton uh, for yourself, so uh, that's that's great, and that makes some things uh, happen, and we, we were able to make this happen kind of on a last-minute, circumstantial kind of thing. Um, Nick Bauer, KC9GZY is our uh, assistant uh, producer, and he's actually in Washington, D.C. this evening. He's uh, on assignment. But, Nick, tell us about your opportunity to talk to the International Space Station. Yeah, hey, Neil. Hey, Rosalie. Uh, hey, Nick. Yeah, when I, was in high, when I was in high school, I was in the club of Wilmington High School South, uh, K-9SOU. 
we had an opportunity to talk with uh, Russian space tourist, uh, Miss Ansari, who was on the ISS. And it was an incredible experience. You know, members in the club, we had talked to different states, different countries, but something about space that's just different. And we didn't know if it would work. We were at the radio. Neil was there with us. And, and you know, we heard her come through. And uh, it was just a really neat experience to say that we actually were able to apply what we had learned through high school classes and through our ham club and, and reach the International Space Station, something that 10 years later still stuck with me. Yeah, so uh, I edited down uh, the uh, the about six-minute window we actually had uh, on this particular pass. Uh, I edited that down to a minute and a half and cut out uh, some of the other um, uh, calls that uh, she made that, that were not there and, and some of the static and the and the blank time. So we'll play that and let you listen to uh, Nick, actually, um, on hand at the radio. So listening back at that clip, it, it was amazing to me how we were listening to absolute silence and then just all of a sudden, there she is. And she's talking to another school and she called another school. There were three of us that were trying it and the, the second one didn't didn't connect somehow. And then by the time they got to us, it, it was just enough to get our call sign out there and, and acknowledged and, and that was that was it. And she's gone. I mean, it's just a very narrow window of time and it goes from zero to S nine and then S nine all the way down to zero in, in no time. Yeah. You can yeah, just we... sort of picture in your mind that it's going from the horizon to the horizon and that's what happens. So Nick, what tell us tell us a little more about uh, about what that means to you after that's all over. Yeah, so at the time it was just a thrill, even though you know it didn't last long. Uh, it was a thrill just to to experience that. And uh, myself and some club members were interviewed by the local newspaper 
they ran a story about um, her club and about the contact with the space station. And I mean, it's been 10 years since we had that experience and I, it's still a story I share with people and I, I have an enthusiasm for space and science. And I was just at the uh, Air and Space Museum here in DC today. And it's just an experience that I think about. I, it meant a lot to me. and it, It's just a, a neat experience to talk to people about and, and share what amateur radio can do. Cause it, most people I, I mentioned it to don't realize that we have that capability from Bloomington, Indiana to talk with the space station. Yeah, I was I was happy that we were able to do it, and it, and it, she got her license right at the last second, and, and it was kind of like, well, hey, how would you like to try this uh, in two days? And it was like, uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> okay, we'll try it, sure, <laughs> why not? You know, uh, that's not the way that you know we just talked to Rosalie, you know, about all this planning and a year, you know, and some of them have been waiting two years and in the past and, and, you know, planning everything and all these backups and everything. And no, we, we just, you know, go. And, and well, and we certainly, it, we certainly knew that we, were your, lucky. we certainly knew that your school was, um, you know, you had, you had good education going on and we knew that you had a set up and it was just fell into place. Well, thankfully it did. Thankfully it did. And I was able to get one of our, um, club members AJ to kind of help me out with with um, some of the uh, antenna issues and, and the Doppler shift that I'd never tried before. I'd never done a satellite contact before, so um, that was uh, an amazing first uh, attempt at a satellite contact, the International Space Station, so well, we're, I know we're that, thankful for that. I know that Nick is very much interested in math and also space and of course the nasa promotes science technology engineering and math so it almost might have been something nick that uh, kept you going toward that math career yes definitely yeah nick was uh, an outstanding uh, student of mine and and he has a uh, a lot of talent in science and, and definitely math and and um, he's been willing to uh, come help us on the show here too so in the last few weeks so we appreciate that all right well we're going to come back and uh, take some more calls and talk with uh, Rosalie about the future of the Eris program right after this word from the ham station here on ham talk live this episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by The Ham Station. For 35 years, The Ham Station has brought new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to the amateur radio community. Give Jeff or Dan a call at 1-800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Ham Station carries all the major brands like Icom, Yezu, and Kenwood. Shop from a wide selection of radio scanners MFJ accessories, Heil Sound products, Mirage and Ameritron amplifiers, Cushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online shopping and fast shipping are waiting for you at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Oh, yeah. You're talking ham radio, baby. 
You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to the support of the Ham Station to help bring Ham Talk Live to you each week. Dan and Jeff are just a phone call away to answer your questions about your new rig or antenna. Call 800-729-4373 or visit them online at hamstation.com. Be sure to listen every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on hamtalklive.com and check out our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. Just search for Ham Talk Live. Amateur Radio on the International Space Station is our topic tonight. We have some time for a call or two more, so give us a call on Skype at HamTalkLive or by telephone at 812-NET-HAM-1. Again, Skype us on HamTalkLive or by telephone 812-NET-HAM-1 if you have a question that you would like to ask about the AERIS program about Rosalie. Feel free to give us a call. So, uh, Rosalie, what's in store for the future of the uh, the Eris program now that the big anniversary number one thousand is is over and and the twenty year anniversary is is nearing? What's the future hold for um, Eris? Well, two thousands contact <laughs> or Mars. Um, in fact, we have had some discussions about Mars capabilities and um, which NASA vehicles would be best for us to think about. And, uh, for instance, there's the back porch, which is a structure that looks like a deck on the back of one of the ISS modules. And... We're very serious about having some equipment out on that deck. And um, there were a lot of benefits to not having it inside and, um, you know, have the cabling, of course, inside. And, and um, but, but for the near future, we do plan to have more slow scan television transmissions and um, just keep everything going as it, as it's been going we always hope to have an astronaut who decides that rag chewing is the greatest thing since sliced bread um they're so busy they don't have loads of time to just rag chew but now and again you get one who decides that it is a lot of fun the bug bites them bad yeah that would be great if uh, we had somebody that would do that. you know i i think I don't know what comes to mind is Owen Garriott, which he's the first one that I ever heard. And I don't know. It seems like, you know, he may have been a little bit better at that than, than some, but the, the demands of the crew, I think have grown exponentially since that point in time. Yes. Plus Owen was a ham to begin with. And Ron Priest was, and Ken Cameron was, and you know, there were some that, um, just, were already quite experienced, but um, some of them take to it just so easily. And, of course, it doesn't take a lot for them to pass the test. They're all very smart people, quick, um, broad background. A lot of it, they already know the answers to the tests. Um, and if they don't know a lot about electronics, maybe they're more in the medical field or something like that, 
it doesn't take them very long to learn. And um, like Sunita Williams, you know, she really enjoyed talking. Um, and Owen Garriott's son, Richard, was not a ham to begin with. But, um, you know, once they were up there and saw how much fun it was just they talked about things like how amazing it is to come up to the coast of some continent and as you were over the ocean you know it was just deathly silent black no lights and all of a sudden there was a clamoring of people wanting to talk to them and and how cool that was well i can't cannot imagine um going up there that's just <laughs> Beyond anything I can fathom. <laughs> uh, we've got time for one more call. 812-NET-1. Uh, give us a call. Um, I'll, I'll leave one last question here. Um, out of all the 1,000 contacts, which which one, if you had to pick one that was the most memorable, which which one would that be for you? Well, that's so difficult. Because everyone I've ever heard, it makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. <laughs> um, you know, it's the anticipation, just like you said, you know, there's silence. And then you think you hear some static, or maybe it's your imagination. And then you do hear the static, and then you start worrying, is this all I'm going to get is static? And then a, a voice a syllable comes out and then all of a sudden you hear the call sign and, and every time you hear about the students afterwards and and the team, the many, many people on our team who do so much and they say the same thing. They just, it's a thrill for them to be able to facilitate the general public learning about space, learning about, some sort of science, uh, learning about radio. Um, it's, it's just so exciting. I mean, I've heard so many teachers, um, and there's some really good YouTubes out there of students saying what they learned and how you can just, in the excitement. I saw a photo of a teacher at a recent contact, and you know how when you're really surprised and you put your hand over your mouth and it's like you're going, oh, my well, she was doing that. She was just so thrilled when it happened. It's, it's, it's just the whole thing is a thrill. But I guess I would have to say that Sunita Williams and Doug Wheelock and Mike Finke and Richard Garriott, some of their contacts were my most memorable because they were just so personable. And you could tell they loved it. The emotion came through. Oh, that's great. Uh, and and that's exactly how we what we thought too was okay is that all I'm going to get is this little static burst and it's it's this roller coaster you're like wow is that it and then all of a sudden it works and, yes and yes. It, it's just fabulous well that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live uh, thank you uh, so much Rosalie uh, for for coming on uh, my guest uh, tonight has been Rosalie White K1 STO. And uh, thanks to uh, the callers and listeners out there in cyberspace. And I'll invite you all back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when my guest will be Craig Thompson, K9CT, who is recently back from his de-expedition to Palmyra.
So be sure to call in and ask questions about his trip. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, be sure to visit hamtalklive.com. So for now, with Rosalie White, K1STO, Andy Morrison, K9AWM on fake commercial duty, and assistant producer Nick Bauer, KC9GZY on assignment in Washington, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. Thank you.